You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. Andrew Hutchinson, Mason Choate, and Alex Trader along with you today. Uh, not as busy as our usual episodes, but there's a lot going on with recruiting. We got Junior Day coming up this Saturday. Uh, we got some hoops talk for you later on in the episode. Arkansas loses to AM. We're not going to talk about that a whole lot. We're going to talk about the big win over Missouri, but we're going to start with recruiting today. So, Junior Day on Saturday, um, not just Junior Day, but there's with the college football season officially ending, there's a lot going on as far as transfer portal. We know Arkansas lost some pieces um, that they didn't expect to lose, at least we didn't expect them to lose. Um, to the transfer portal so now you have to regain those pieces so start with you Andrew Hutchinson let's talk about junior day this is a good opportunity for Arkansas with the 2023 class just what are your um, general thoughts so far yeah I mean they've got a a pretty good list of prospects coming in we've got kind of a, a partial it's it's definitely not comprehensive but a pretty good list of some of the top prospects that are going to be coming to Fayetteville this weekend over on hogbeat.com on our uh, premium message board uh, but there there's a pretty nice list and I mean this is the the well most of these are 2023 kids you know juniors guys that are going to be seniors this coming year uh, but there are a couple of 2024s that are going to be here guys that are sophomores uh, but really this is the class we're going to see the impact of Arkansas's nine and four season uh, they, these are the kids that may not have considered Arkansas because what they remember are you know just really bad two and ten seasons and they probably didn't think Arkansas was really worth going to or even checking out. And now Arkansas has got a foot in the door with these kids. And I think that's a, a really big deal. And, and Sam Pittman and crew have kind of gotten off to a really good start with that 2023 class. Uh, I haven't checked the last several days, but I know uh, after the most recent commitment in that class, they were up to like number five nationally, which so they're not going to have a number five class in the country, most likely. Uh, but, you know, it just shows you that they're off to a really good start with some you know top prospects i mean shamar easter is a four-star recruit in-state kid that could have gone anywhere but is here uh some of the other guys are 5.7 three stars those are high three stars on the verge of being four stars uh so it's a really solid foundation and now they're trying to kind of build on that by bringing in these top prospects get them on campus uh, i know that's something everyone says about arkansas is if you can get them on campus you've got a chance because not everyone thinks of Arkansas as this you know, wonderful place that we know it as. Uh, they probably think it's all oh, just a bunch of rednecks and it's the country and stuff like that. They've never actually seen Fayetteville and seen the campus and seen Northwest Arkansas. Uh, so getting them on campus is huge. Getting them to where they can be evaluated by the coaching staff. You know, there's a few guys that are coming in that don't actually have offers yet from Arkansas, but that could be in the works. Uh, so really big junior day, not just this weekend, but it's actually three straight weekends of junior days or prospect camps, whatever you want to call them, on the 15th, 22nd, and 29th of January. So really big, critical stretch of recruiting for Arkansas uh, for the 2023 class. So the, some of these 2023 guys, they're, they're pretty exciting. I know, Alex Trader, you're going to be out there this Saturday. You've kind of looked at a few of these guys. I know that you're not super um, locked in on some of them, but are there any guys that you're kind of excited to watch, guys that you think would fit well here in Fayetteville? Yeah, I think it's impossible to say anyone other than being excited to see what Caleb James is going to do this weekend. He's, you know, committing later on in the week, um, and it kind of the timeline makes it seem as though Arkansas has a really good chance. They've been on, in on him for a while. I did put a future cast in for him a little bit back. Um, and I think Sam Pittman has really put a lot of effort into to, to grabbing him for, for this class. Like Hutch mentioned, it's a top five class right now. That doesn't really hold too much water just because it is so early on in the cycle. But anytime you can see Arkansas in that top five and you have five really solid guys, like you mentioned, Joey Sua is one that um, I'm really you know looking forward to seeing what he can do this season to maybe even move himself up into that four-star class because he does have some really nice footwork as an offensive lineman. Um, you've seen a couple guys, Charles Jagusa, uh, Chondavian Bradley, who have also been here before and seeing those repeat visitors is definitely a good sign for Arkansas. Hutch, you kind of focus on this more than most people do, but positions of need for Arkansas, 
Um, we they've kind of I mean they've got some in the 2022 class that they still got to lock down. Probably gonna hit the portal for those. But 2023, just looking ahead to guys that are gonna leave after this next season. What are some positions that you can think of that Arkansas might target more heavily than others? Well, I think the cliche answer here uh, would be quarterback because that's such an important uh, position every year. However, throw in the fact that Arkansas did not sign one in 2022 uh, remains to be seen if they may try to add one out of the portal kind of as a depth piece behind KJ Jefferson. But the whole strategy was, hey, we're not going to sign one in 2022 because we think that's going to help us with some big time prospects in the 2023 class. So uh, really anxious to see kind of what they do there. You know, Avery Johnson is a high three-star from Kansas uh, who's, who's visited before, and it sounds like he's going to be back for a junior day uh, this month. Uh, they're on some other big-time guys uh, that, that are, are really, really good. I think Jackson Arnold's one from Texas, uh, you know, Vic Sutton from Mississippi. Those are, that's a, that's a critical, critical spot. And, and really, uh, could be the most important position from the you know future of the, uh, the program standpoint, just because that's such an important uh, position and they really don't have a ton of proven depth at that spot right now. Uh, of course, that doesn't help you in the 2022 season, uh, but at least it gives you something uh, to build around in the future. Uh, other than that, you know, it's pretty much every year you're going to want to bring in, you know, a really solid group of offensive linemen. And with Sam Pittman as the head coach, that's kind of what we've come to expect is, Hey, this guy's going to recruit offensive linemen. It may not have been as good as maybe what people expected because people remember the Denver Kirkland, Dan Skipper class that, that came in uh, when, when Sam Pittman's first year as an offensive line coach back in 2013, he hasn't quite done that yet, but he has brought in some really solid prospects uh, and I think that's going to continue. And it's just kind of steadily gotten better uh, as, as he's been here longer. And I think this 2023 class could be the first time we say, okay, this is a Sam Pittman offensive line group. Uh, you know, Alex mentioned Joey Sua. He's already committed as an in-state kid, uh, but not a, I guess a, a true in-state kid. He's a move in uh, to the Bentonville area. Uh, then you've also got, you know, Charles Jagusa. That's a, a, a four-star kid. Uh, they've got uh, Kobe Keenum as one. I don't know if he has a, an offer from Arkansas yet, but he seems to be, uh, I think he actually does. He, he uh, has tweeted some, ex he was one of the recruits that was tweeting some excited things, you know, during the Outback Bowl. He's a high three-star offensive lineman. Uh, this is so early in the cycle that these guys that are 5.73 stars could e easily see the bump up to four-star uh, classification. So uh, that's another spot that I'm, I'm anxious to see kind of what Sam Pittman, uh, Cody Kennedy, and that group of, of offensive coaches can put together on the offensive line because that's, as we know, and as we saw in the national championship game this past week, that's a very vital position on the football field. I feel like we probably should have led with this, but just kind of explain exactly what junior days is for Arkansas and what, what they'll be doing um, this weekend and the next few weekends. Yeah, junior days is something that uh, programs cross country do. They generally, during the uh, – I guess technically this is the winter or spring of uh, the season uh, of the year. They bring in prospects for the upcoming class because at this point, most of the 2022 classes is pretty much done. I mean, most schools across the country sign a lot of their players during the early signing period. Uh, even in the past, before the early signing period, they had them all committed and they started kind of turning the page to 2023 and or to the following class. And, and for that year, for this year, it's 2023. Uh, these are guys that they want to get an extra look at, um, you know, several of these guys, you know, for example, a guy that I'm also excited to see how he does is CJ Turner, a uh, four-star athlete from star city an in-state kid does not have an offer from Arkansas yet. Doesn't have a whole lot of offers, uh, but clearly has really impressive film for the rivals evaluators to, to give him four-star status. You know, he's a guy that Arkansas coaches probably want to see what he looks like. Cause it's one thing to see what a guy does on film, it's another to see what he can do in person. You know, you get the kind of the eye test, see what they look like, see how they run. You can uh, put them through some drill type things. You know, they're, I don't think they're, they're not in full pads or anything like that, but you can you know, run routes, see quarterbacks throwing, things like that. Uh, so it's just kind of an opportunity for coaches to evaluate talents and also an opportunity to have guys that already have Arkansas offers to come in, see the campus, you know, get talked up and pampered by the, the football coaches and told how great they are and how much they're, you know, wanted here at Arkansas. 
Uh, so it's just kind of another recruiting opportunity for the coaching staff, generally for the, the rising seniors, guys that are currently juniors. That's why they're called junior days. Uh, but you also have some you know, sophomores mixed in there as well. All right, guys. Well, we're going to put a wrap on that. And then coming up next, we're going to talk about some portal targets for Arkansas. Hutch did a story about um, some guys that the Hogs could be targeting in the portal. Um, and then we're going to talk about some guys who have been on campus who might transfer to Arkansas or just looking around. Uh, Alex has done some big boards for some positions. We're going to talk more recruiting up next here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour continuing our recruiting talk. So we talked junior days, but now we're going to talk some transfer portal stuff. Hutch has been hitting it hard as good as he can. I mean, it's it's a difficult game. It's new to almost everybody, um, just the way that things are going. But Arkansas has some positions of need in the transfer portal, most of them on the defensive side of the ball, Hutch. So uh, let's just start with uh, the positions of need and maybe some guys that they're targeting. I know you have this story 10 potential portal targets for Arkansas. So don't give everything away because we want people to go to hogbeat.com, but um, maybe get people excited to go read it on hogbeat.com. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got 10 guys listed. And one thing you'll notice is that all 10 guys are on the defensive side of the ball. I, I just get the feeling that that's kind of where Arkansas is going to be targeting guys. We've seen that based on the guys they've offered so far. I mean, they've got a couple of defensive tackles that have already put them in uh, their five, top four, top five. You know, Jackson Player from Tulsa. I know we've talked about him on the show before. Uh, Makai Wingo uh, from uh, Missouri is also a guy that has them in the top four. Uh, Arkansas would, would definitely like to add at least one of those guys, I would imagine. And if both of them want to come, honestly, I say bring them on. You, you can't be – Arkansas is not in a position to be turning down talented defensive tackles and I think both of those guys are capable of playing for Arkansas I mean especially Wingo I mean he was freshman all SEC this year at Missouri so he's proven that he can play in the SEC you know Jackson player has been incredibly productive at Tulsa which is in the American Athletic Conference which is a really solid conference I mean we saw Cincinnati out of that conference make the college football playoff this year uh, so I think both those guys would be would be really good positions to art for Arkansas to add uh, but honestly I would I could see them adding guys at all three levels of the of the defense I could see them adding a linebacker I could see them adding a secondary guy or two whether it be a corner or a safety or honestly they probably prefer somebody that's versatile somebody that can play corner they can play safety they can play nickel uh, because they have have lost Joe Fouché Greg Brooks Monteric Brown's going to the NFL draft so there are positions to fill there and they've got talented players on the roster I think guys that they like uh, but if you could bring in a, a more veteran experienced guy uh, then I think they would do that in a heartbeat well you mentioned you mentioned linebacker there and I think big news of the week so far kind of overshadowed going into the Missouri game on Wednesday uh, linebacker from Alabama Drew Sanders it was rumored that he was on campus in Fayetteville I don't know if we confirmed those rumors I'm sure they were true but um, if Arkansas could land a guy like that, that would be pretty big, Hutch. Yeah, that would be massive. I mean, he didn't play a ton at Alabama, but he was only there for two years. He did start three games as a sophomore this year. Uh, there were some injuries in front of him on the depth chart that allowed him to start. He played, you know, okay, uh, but he's a young guy, and he was obviously good enough to get recruited by Alabama, so I think that means something. Uh, and, you know, if he was on campus, which – We've kind of heard, you know, from sources that, that indicate that he was uh, nothing super concrete. But this is a guy uh, I was reading from some stuff from our, our friends over at the Texas rival site, Orange Bloods. And they said that this guy, Drew, he he is not he's not much of a talker. He doesn't talk to the media. He said he's not sure if he's ever done an interview. Uh, and I think he hadn't tweeted in like three or four years. So that kind of tells you kind of the personality he has. Uh, which honestly might help Arkansas because that's kind of the personality of Sam Pittman. If you think about it, Sam Pittman is not a huge guy when it comes to look at me, uh, listen to what I have to say, uh, look at what I'm putting on Twitter. I mean, he does tweet, but I think it's basically because 
they have him, they, they make him because he's the head coach and he needs to kind of have a, a social media presence in this day and age. Uh, so I think he would be a, a good personality fit for, for Arkansas. Uh, Barry Odom's kind of a similar, similar type guy. Uh, Michael Scherer is too, the linebackers coach. So he would be a, a tremendous add. I know he was, uh, everyone refers to him as a, a former five-star recruit. He was actually a 6.0 four-star recruit on Arkansas, but a top 50 prospect or on rivals top 40 prospects. Uh, so he would be a, a massive, massive ad for Arkansas. If they can get it done. Uh, sounds like he was going to be visiting Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas on consecutive days. So it sounds like a decision will be coming sooner rather than later. Uh, but again, I'm not exactly sure how he's going to announce it. If he's not a big social media guy, I guess we're just going to have to kind of wait and see how that goes. Now, before we move forward, because we do want to talk about the, the big boards that Alex has put together for running back and tied in, uh, Hutch, I want to ask you, you, you've kind of done a little bit of a deep dive on what Arkansas could do with the quarterback depth. Um, there's a couple different options that they could go to. Maybe which one are you confident that they might go to? I, I feel like it's kind of a crapshoot. but um, And then if it is the portal, are there any names that you know of? Yeah, so the reason they need depth at the quarterback spot is because obviously Malik Hornsby has transferred out and Cade Renfro tore his ACL during bowl practices, so he's going to be out for a while. That leaves you with two quarterbacks, K.J. Jefferson, which thankfully is really, really good, and then obviously uh, Lucas Coley. But you need someone else. Uh, I think the most obvious kind of solution would be moving Landon Rogers back to quarterback. He was moved to tight end during fall camp. They like what he can bring to the team as a tight end. Uh, they talked about even him playing on defense. He's just a really good athlete, really good size, but he does have a cannon for an arm. So maybe he plays quarterback this spring and moves back during the fall when they get somebody else on campus. I could see them adding a, a preferred walk-on. You know, they've got a few guys that, that could be walk-on candidates. I've got those mentioned in the story. You can go check that out. And yeah, they could add somebody in the portal, but don't get your hopes up. It's not going to be a Caleb Williams. It's probably not going to be a Jackson Dart. It's not going to be one of these high profile guys. It's probably going to be somebody who's willing to come in and be a backup for a year or two. And that's not going to be a high profile guy. So uh, I've got some names that I'm just kind of speculating on uh, over on, on the trough on, on hogbeat.com, but nothing that's like super like, okay, this guy is a guy Arkansas could go add. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a crapshoot, as you said, as far as who they might be able to bring in uh, as a quality backup or depth piece that can maybe compete with Lucas Coley uh, for the number two job. All right, real quick before we get before we get to Alex, Alex, I know that you're just foaming at the mouth ready to talk, but uh, Joe Fouché commits to LSU. Um, we got to mention that former Arkansas defensive back. I feel like we can assume Greg Brooks is next, but Hutch, just like real, real quick, what are your thoughts on that? Most predictable transfer destination imaginable. I mean, from New Orleans, probably grew up cheering for LSU, didn't get the opportunity out of high school, so he went somewhere where he could face LSU in Arkansas. Now, with LSU needing bodies, they were down to 39 scholarship players uh, in their bowl game. They need bodies. They need bodies in the secondary. They lost a ton of guys back there. And he's a veteran guy with, you know, multiple years of starting experience in the SEC and the SEC West. So really a, a, an obvious, you know, destination for him, obvious pickup for LSU. And as you said, it would not surprise me if they you know, go after Greg Brooks, that, that he would also follow him to LSU. All right, Alex. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, you had your big board for the running backs go out and you continued the series with your big board for tight ends in the 2023 class. So um, I guess just start with the running backs and give us a little uh, look into your big board. Yeah, so given how well the Razorbacks have recruited the tight end and running back positions over the last, or I guess in the 2022 cycle, these are actually pretty light. Um, probably the two, two of the lighter ones that we'll have um, on the site, but I think there's one really, really clear target at running back, and that's Cedric Baxter. He's a top hundred, uh, Rivals 100 player, um, has expressed interest in Arkansas, included them in his top uh, seven on New Year's, and um, I, I think that's that's kind of the end-all, be-all in the class. He's the guy you really want to go after, especially you brought in you brought in uh, Rashad Dubinian and um, 
and James joins her in this last class, you have that kind of monster in the backfield already that we saw this season. Um, you really want to bring in a top level guy like Baxter, another guy um, out of Alabama, Drew Pickett would be a, a target. And then there is someone just down the road uh, in Little Rock, um, Darian Bennett, who doesn't yet have an offer from Arkansas, was initially supposed to commit sometime in January. Uh, and that I'm not sure if that's still the case. It looks like his only offer is still from SMU. So um, you, you really want to take a look at what's going on there. And if that's a take for Arkansas, should that time come? Um, I, I just think it's, it's a really interesting how they want to balance this class. You've got the linemen like Hutch was talking about. You need the defensive guys. Um, and how much of that do you want to spend on uh, positions where you're super, super heavy already, like running back? Um, like tight end, I think there's one guy in the, in the rest of the tight end class that they've offered that you take, and, and that's Luke has. Um, the Oklahoma decommit was really strong on Arkansas before he committed to Oklahoma, um, included them in his top schools with the likes of Ohio State and, and um, Oklahoma State, USC. Um, just really, really talented guy, and you definitely want to make sure that uh, if, if that's a guy who's wanting to come to Arkansas, you probably don't tell him no, um, given the talent that he can provide. Now, I, I know that you have a wide receiver big board coming out soon, but uh, you're not fully complete with it yet. Just maybe a couple names that you're thinking about that you've been looking at closely for Arkansas in the 2023 class because we know that um, with Traylon Burks gone, it's kind of like, well, who's going to be the number one guy this next year? We think it might be Jaden Hazelwood, but they're going to need more people to come in after this next year. Yeah, I'm still going through and, and, and making sure of, of who I think the top targets are. It's always tough because wide receivers, everyone needs them. And, and those top, top level guys, you've got every school coming after. You can have the depth there and still be able to, to keep guys happy and generally keep them from transferring out. So um, I'm definitely going to have those names in the big board that comes out Monday. And we can talk about it next week uh, as I kind of get those names locked down. I think Anthony Evans right now is a great start. He's got really, really nice speed, enjoys blocking, which you don't always see with receivers. You kind of see him take, take charge and dominate that aspect of his game. Um, and I just, that's a big pickup and a big start for Kenny Guyton. And I'm excited to see uh, what all he's able to do next uh, as people try to, kind of narrow down their list of schools and where they're going to visit and, and who all they're looking at. I'm definitely wanting to see uh, some of those bigger names on Arkansas's radar, radar especially uh, after um, what we saw with Traylon Burks this year. Well, we all know that with uh, Sam Pittman at the helm, recruiting is going to be a big thing, something that you got to follow closely. And uh, Arkansas is doing a good job. Hopefully they continue to do a good job. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for our recruiting talk here on the Hogbeat Hour. Coming up next, we're going to talk basketball. Arkansas gets a huge win over Missouri. Um, we'll we'll kind of hit on the AM loss, but mostly Missouri talking moving forward. They play LSU this Saturday. We're going to hit all that here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on hitthatline.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Mason Choate joined by Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of hogbeat.com and Alex Trader, recruiting expert over at hogbeat.com. Uh, make sure you check us out. It's hogbeat.com. Um, all the content is great. Andrew Hutchinson, award-winning sports writer, the best one in the state of Arkansas, probably the best one in the country, maybe the best in the world, kind of like CJ's Burgers. Andrew Hutchinson is also the best in the world at what he does. Um, Alex Trader is getting there. Alex Trader is great at what he does. His big boards are awesome. Um, I love all of his content. And then I, I put out some content as well. Uh, maybe a little teaser. We got some baseball content coming your way soon. Going to do some position previews, some previews of starters. Um, but right now we got to talk some Arkansas basketball. Uh, boy, what a win over Missouri. Um, just before we get to Missouri, Arkansas did lose to AM on Saturday. That's old news. They lost to AM 86 to 81. JD Note scores 31. Um, Kamani Johnson, seven points, eight rebounds. Jalen Williams, double double. Um, they fought hard. It, it, it was kind of like the Vanderbilt game. They fought hard. At times, you saw glimpses of the team that you've been looking for, but they couldn't play for the full 40 minutes. That's what, uh, not Andrew Hutchinson, Eric Musselman has said a lot. Um, I'm sure Andrew Hutchinson has said it too, but 
Um, Hutch, before we move on to Missouri, just anything else you want to add about that A&M game? I think the most frustrating thing about that Texas A&M game was that they looked really, really, really good for about half the game. You look at the first nine minutes of the game and the last 11, so about 20 minutes, they outscored Texas A&M by 20-plus. And then you look at the middle 20 minutes, they were outscored by 20-plus, and the result was a five-point loss. Uh, it was like a, between those two you know, stretches of, of basketball, it was like a 49-point swing. That is just – it would blew my mind when I when I found that stat because we know basketball is a game of runs. I mean that's the the cliche everyone says it, and honestly it's true. Uh, but Arkansas seems to have taken that to an extreme. Even against really bad teams in non conference play, it was you know really good stretches and then really bad stretches, and their bad stretches were bad. Uh, we saw that uh, against Texas A and M kind of you know come to a head. Uh, but uh, as you said, they finally put 40 minutes together against Van- uh, against uh, Missouri and did kind of what I thought that they were capable of doing, you know, if they would, you know, do it for a full 40 minutes. And you're right about that. They did it for a full 40 minutes against Missouri. I mean, it, it felt like they didn't need a full 40 minutes after the first half, though. It was kind of like, well, you could probably not bring the team out on the court in the second half and you still win the game. Arkansas – opens it up they're up 26 to 3 i mean it was just crazy uh they were up 49 to 15 at halftime over missouri andrew hutchinson you put it best in your uh your key take key takeaway story you said wade's world that's what it was trey wade i mean what a game from trey wade uh he gets the start the starting five was a little bit different i think you said it was the seventh starting seventh different seventh different starting lineup for Arkansas this season. They went with Note, Tony, Wade, Williams, and Johnson. Um, Johnson did get hurt, but Trey Wade and J.D. Note, I mean, they started the game, I think they had 16 or 17 in like the first 23 points. So just that start for Arkansas, Hutch, what what a job by the Hogs. Yeah, I mean, they, they've used a different starting lineup in seven straight games, and I think Eric Musselman has been searching desperately for a lineup that would work because they've gotten off to some you know rough starts. I mean, they got off to a, a pretty good start against Texas A&M, as I said, but you know then it all fell apart, and you know they, they've been trying to just kind of search. And you mentioned Kamani Johnson had a really good game against Texas A&M, uh, seven points, eight rebounds. And then that he played well enough and, and played hard enough that they Musselman rewarded him with the start uh, and also put Trey Wade in the starting lineup. And you know, it was obvious that one, they were going big. They only had one true guard in the starting lineup. And that was JD Note. Uh, Adis Tony is technically listed as a guard, but he's more of a wing uh, type of player. Uh, so it, it was a very unique lineup, a very unusual lineup. One that makes you go, huh? Like what, what, what's going on here? Whenever you see it, uh, but my Lord, it seemed to work. They brought the energy. They brought a physicality. Uh, that was what Quanzo Martin said uh, after the game, uh, saying that, that that lineup, it kind of surprised them, I think. They didn't expect a lineup like that, and then they came out and punched them in the mouth, and they just never responded. And I don't know if that's going to work against other teams other than Missouri, uh, but, boy, he, he put uh, Eric Mosman pushed the right buttons uh, to, to not only beat Missouri and get their first SEC win, but just absolutely annihilate them for 40 minutes. Yeah, Musselman talked after the game about how he was sitting down and thinking about what he could do with this lineup, and he, he said he thought of his dad, and uh, he thought, you know, he grew up knowing big and physical, and that's what Arkansas went with was a big and physical starting lineup. Um, but, Alex Trader, I want to ask you, we kind of talked about this before we started recording. Arkansas in the non-conference, uh, in the non-conference season – they kind of played down to their competition, it felt like. Maybe maybe some of those teams were actually good, um, but it felt like Arkansas played down in their competition, and they just did not do that against Missouri. They did exactly what they were supposed to do, and just the importance of that um, from your perspective, Alex. Yeah, I mean, it was like, – like we've said, Missouri not necessarily the, the stick you want to be measuring yourself against in terms of competing at a high level and being able to get back to that success you saw in the tournament last season. But anytime you can hold a team uh, to 11% shooting midway through the second half of a basketball game at the collegiate level is 
it's impressive. It doesn't, it, yes, you have to factor in they're going to miss some shots and they, they're having a really, really off night, but that's still very, very difficult to kind of keep that number that low. Your trip more than uh, they've, they've got more than triple the turnovers you've got. You're really just kind of dominating everything you want to do. Anytime it seems like something could start to go their way, you get a steal, you get a block, you get a, a three pointer. It, it just never really felt like Missouri had a chance in this one. And I think that's what you need to do if you're Arkansas. You need to take care of teams like Vanderbilt, like Missouri, um, if you want to be able to position yourself to, to get back to the level that you saw last season. And I think um, I, I was telling someone last night, I think that was exactly the game that Arkansas needed after two tough losses back to back, um, just being able to to get out there and, and kind of dominate a game and see that you can still do that. You can still be that team. I think that was immeasurably important for the team. I like, I like how you put it, Alex. You said Missouri's not really the team that you want to measure your success against, but it felt it, – it, so it was kind of weird during the game, Hutch, and I, I'm curious what you thought. Do you think it was just Arkansas playing lights-out defense? They were just playing really good basketball, which they were, but do you think it was more of that or more Missouri is just really bad? Well, Missouri is really, really bad. I mean, they are they got blown out by UMKC and Liberty during non-conference play. So that tells you everything you know about them. But they did, you know, Arkansas held them to be made them even worse than they usually are. I mean, they shot, I want to say, 12% from the three-point line against Arkansas, and they're a 25% three-point shooting team for the season. So they, you know, held them under that. I think they're like a 41% shooting team overall. And I want to say they shot like 29% against Arkansas. Uh, they they turned the ball over 23 times. I think a lot of that, you got to give Arkansas some credit. I mean, they just were totally harassing uh, the, the ball handler for Missouri as he was coming up the court. Uh, they just never seemed to get comfortable. They couldn't get in their offensive sets. And they just had no answer. And a lot, J.D. Note has a lot to do with that. You know, I think Trey Wade played phenomenal defense. Really, everybody that went on the court, Eric Musselman said it, you know, played really, really good defense. And I think that was a, a, a sticking point for, for Arkansas because during these five losses, they were giving up over 80 points a game, allowing teams to shoot nearly 50% from the field and over 40% from, from beyond the arc. So uh, they, they had been just absolutely dreadful on defense. They were 80th in Ken Palm's uh, defensive efficiency ratings uh, before the game. Uh, they were 10th in that category last year. They were elite defensively, and they just haven't been that this year. And, and I think they finally kind of got back to that. And, you know, interestingly enough, Eric Musselman actually mentioned that they, they watched some film of last year's team. That, that's something that he didn't want to do earlier in the year. But he was, I guess, he's just trying everything he possibly can, and that includes showing film of last year's team and saying, hey, this is how you do it. This is how you become a top-10 team and make the Elite Eight. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to be something they can carry over against better teams. Uh, we're going to find out Saturday against LSU, a very, very good team. Uh, but it was encouraging to see it at least against a, uh, a team like uh, Missouri. So they, what they did was it, 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 they're going with the sophomores um, from last year, but they're, I feel like they're bringing in some of these transfers as well. But, I mean, Jalen Williams, back-to-back double-doubles. Devontae Davis, back-to-back games where he's filling up the he's filling up the stat sheet. I'd have to look at the the AM stats. So against AM, Devo Davis, 13 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. And then against Missouri last night, uh Wednesday night, he had 15 points, uh, six rebounds, and four assists. So I feel like he's kind of getting more comfortable um with his role as not like the main point guard anymore. Um, even though he does bring the ball up the court, but he's not making as many mistakes. So um, Hutch, I just want to ask you, do you think that these sophomores are starting to get more comfortable, um, especially now that Musselman is letting some of these transfers play a little bit more? You saw Trey Wade play a little bit more. Do you think that these players are starting to understand their roles a little bit better? I think so. And I mean, think back to last year when they were freshmen. You know, it was early in the season. They were hardly playing and and they kind of gradually played more and, and got better as the season progressed. And you know, maybe we're starting to see a similar trend for those guys. I mean, yeah, you would think that they would have been better early on in the season. I mean, Jalen Williams has been relatively consistent, but Devo Davis has been wildly inconsistent. 
Uh, I mean, you mentioned he did kind of have a, a better game against Texas A&M than he did Vanderbilt. I mean, against Vanderbilt, it seemed like every time he touched the ball, he handed it to the Commodores. Uh, but he he did play a little bit better against A&M. He did still struggle with turnovers, just made some really bad decisions, things like that. Uh, but he seemed to really kind of feel feel more – he seemed more comfortable against Missouri. And, of course, again, we have to mention it was against Missouri, but it was encouraging to see. Maybe he can build some confidence from that, uh, and that will kind of lead to, to more productivity against the better teams, which is what you expected out of him and why he was a preseason All-SEC pick. So with the win over Missouri, I'm looking at this stat from J.C. Hoops. He's a basketball contributor for hogbeat.com. Um, Arkansas moved up 15 spots in the net rankings last night. Um, so they're now at 83rd in the net, which you're still, you're still well outside of the bubble for the NCAA tournament. And then they're going to play LSU this Saturday, who is third in the net rankings. So um, that the test – does not get easier for Arkansas. And we've talked about that. You hear, you hear it a lot from Arkansas fans and media. It's, it's not going to get easier. You're, you're in the middle of your, the easy part of your schedule when you were playing Mississippi state, Vanderbilt, A&M and Missouri, unfortunately, Arkansas lost three of those. So now moving forward, we, they, the team feels like they could carry momentum um, from this game into the LSU game, but you kind of talked about it earlier. LSU is not an easy team to play against, and Arkansas is going to need all hands on deck. And we didn't even mention this really, but we don't think that they'll have Kamani Johnson. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough challenge for Arkansas. I mean, LSU, I believe they've only lost one game this year. They just went on the road and beat Florida, uh, which I think everyone knows how tough it is to go into Gainesville and win. Uh, so it, it's definitely not getting any easier. Uh, LSU has been better than people expected, and that's kind of scary. I mean, they've had some really solid contributors. You know, I, I, I honestly should have looked. I'm not sure what Xavier Pinson's status is for LSU, but he's a guy that Arkansas recruited out of the portal uh, and has been a really vital piece for them, but he got hurt a couple of games back. Doesn't sound like it's serious, but, you know, I don't know if it's kind of like Kamani Johnson where it's, you know, day-to-day. Uh, but if you don't have Kamani Johnson for Arkansas, you lose a little bit of that toughness. You hope that Trey Wade can kind of step up and, and be that guy and continue playing like that. Uh, don't know if you're going to always get 32 minutes from him. Uh, that was seemed to be quite a bit. You know, he cramped up there at the end of the first half quite a bit. So uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see how they can handle it. You know, if they can at least go and be competitive, even if they don't win, and at least they're just competitive against a team like this. I think that would give me a lot of confidence that, hey, maybe they can, you know, one, take care of the teams they're supposed to the rest of the way, and then also maybe sneak up and pop a team that you're not supposed to beat uh, at some point during the second half of the schedule when, you know, when things get ramped up. Alex, I want to ask you, so it, it feels like Arkansas and uh, Musselman, he's kind of settled on a, a solid lineup of seven to eight guys um, give or take, because, you know, Kamani Johnson, now we don't know his status moving forward. Musselman said it's day-to-day, but he's a guy that seemed to have uh, put his name in the lineup as, like, he's going to get significant minutes moving forward. But um, we did not see a whole lot of Jackson Robinson, who had been starting a couple games for Arkansas. Um, so, moving forward, this do you think that, you know, your Musselman's comfortable with uh, this lineup, this group of seven to eight guys, um, rather than, you know, kind of trying to figure it out as he was early in the season and early in SEC play. Yeah, I think you need to see some carryover from that Missouri game to kind of make sure that that, that assertion is set in tone, just because um, when you have a game like that, it's hard to go in and be like, okay, we're going to we're gonna switch it up or we're going to get new guys mixed in, uh, especially after losing three straight and, and kind of having a really, really tough start to the SEC season, even coming out of non-con. Um, I think if we see, like Hutch said, you don't have to win this game. You just have to carry over some of that momentum. You have to show that it wasn't a fluke. And um, I think if you're able to do that, then this rotation will stay pretty tight and you'll have guys like Jackson Robinson come in as more of a specialist rather than a, uh, a true you know, key contributor to the team. And I think that's important. You need to have those guys who are going to come in and be able to provide you with a specific thing and, and that's going to lift your team up and guys knowing their roles is, is kind of a big thing in basketball, especially if you don't have that true, like, Hey, I'm going to go out and get you. Uh, I'm going to go 
take all the shots and I'm going to get the buckets. And, and when it comes time, I need to have the ball. Um, if you don't necessarily have that true number one guy, um, then, then you need to have those role players. And I think uh, those guys who might, might not be getting the same minutes they saw earlier in the year, if they're able to step into those roles, then this could be a very dangerous Arkansas team. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about this team coming up next. We have a, a new segment we're going to try out. Um, we're going to lay out some ideas and see if we're overreacting or not. So uh, that coming up next here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour, last segment of the episode. This was going to be a little fun. We don't usually do a whole lot of this, but um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pose a, a question or a statement. I think most of them are statements, but and then I'm going to ask Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader, is this an overreaction or is it not an overreaction? Um, and this is this just has to do with the Arkansas basketball team moving forward this season, um, kind of some of the trends that are going on, some of the things that are being said. So we're going to get started here. I'm going to let Andrew Hutchinson go first. So Jalen Williams is a legit SEC big. Overreaction or not? I don't think so. I mean, he's not your traditional guy that you would expect as like a, a superstar guy because he's not going to go out and score 20 points. But I think he's starting to become more assertive on the offensive end, and he's been a dominant rebounder. I mean, he's had 10-plus rebounds the last three games, and these are against, you know, pretty solid, like, physical-type teams. Like, A&M's a very physical team. Missouri's physical. Uh, rebounds aren't necessarily easy to come by. So for him to be doing that and having back-to-back double-doubles, showing that he can also score, uh, he also just a really smart player. He seemed to kind of clean up the turnover uh, issue that he had against Texas A&M. Uh, he cleaned it up against Missouri. Again, is that sustainable? I'm not sure, but I think he's a legit SEC big. Don't know if he's necessarily all SEC level, but I think he's a legit SEC big. Alex Schrader. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he- he goes out, and this isn't a team that's necessarily run through the bigs. You need to have solid guard play. You need to have some, some solid play from your forwards. Um, Jalen Williams going down and getting those rebounds and being able to compete on defense and, and, you know, pose that threat on the offensive side but not necessarily go out and, like Hutch said, score 20 points a night. Um, it's important to this team, and, and I think he, it fits into the role that he needs to be in. And for, the, for all intents and purposes of that, I do think he's a legit uh, SEC big. Um, I like, like you mentioned, he's not going to go out there and be Shaq, but if you can go out and take care of your business and do your part, then I, I think that's more than enough, and that's what this team needs. So, yes, I think in this scheme, he's certainly an SEC big. All right. Arkansas has solved its point guard problem, Andrew Hutchinson. I think that might be a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, I'm going to need more than a one-game sample size before I make that declaration. Uh, J.D. Note, Devo Davis, and even Chris Likes, they played better for sure on Wednesday night. But again, I feel like I've said this over and over again, and it sounds like a broken record, but that was against Missouri. Uh, if they can go out there and show that they can take care of the ball and be really good distributors against LSU, then I'm going to start buying it. But right now, I'm just not quite ready to make that jump. Yeah, I think, you know, we saw a couple – we saw a much better turnover ratio last night, and, and there were some um, some pretty bad turnovers in there. But uh, you do need to see the more the more than the one game sample size. You need to see it against. We mentioned it. Missouri isn't necessarily um, legitimate top level competition, and and you're going to have to play that in the SEC. Um, there's some really solid teams in this conference this season, and uh, I, I think if you can see it against some of those teams, then then you might have to start reconsidering and saying, okay, well, I think we've got our point guard issue solved as a team. Um, but, but right now I, I don't think we're quite there yet uh, with, with what we're seeing from Arkansas. All right. Here's something that I've gotten into with uh, a couple people recently uh, overreaction or not JD Note is doing too much on offense. Andrew Hutchinson. I think that's an overreaction because I think JD Note is probably your best offensive weapon. I mean, holy cow, the guy can score. Yes, he is a high-volume shooter. I did the math last night. He is currently on pace. If we just play a 32-game season, on pace to take the second-most shots in a single season in school history, uh, the only guy who took more 
is a guy named Todd Day. You may have heard of him. So uh, I, I think that it's going to be, you know, one of those things where there's games where it seems like he's doing too much, uh, but he also uh, can, you know, he, he does sometimes do a little bit much, but he also is a guy that can fill it up. He's a guy that can get to the basket, uh, get layups. And if he gets hot, he can also make three pointers. So I don't think he's doing too much. I think he's doing exactly what he's being asked to do. And if he ever gets too crazy, then Eric Musselman can always put him on the bench and kind of get him, you know, keep him in check a little bit. Listen, JD is a great scorer. He can score from uh, every level, like you mentioned, can drive, uh, gets those tough finishes, able to, to, to get the mid-ranges, hit the deep threes, uh, hit normal threes too, but really lo- loves taking those deep threes. Um, I, I think he is your best option on offense, and I, I think we've seen that over the course of this season so far. But there are just some of those shots where it's like, what are you doing? Even last night, um, he kind of just threw one up, and Musk looked at him and he was like, what was that? Um, you, you just you don't necessarily want to always see that. And I think there were a couple times last night where I'm just sitting there going, well, that probably wasn't the right shot. Well, uh, it, you just say heat check to yourself because he has, he, he'll go on a streak and he'll make shot after shot after shot. And then just boom, he pulls up from the half court line. It's, it's, it's really um, big Steph Curry guy. You can see just from, from how he kind of shoots those deep threes. So to be clear, Alex, you are saying it's not an overreaction. I think he I think Hutch is right. He's he's probably the best offensive option. I, I think at times he can be doing too much. So uh, we'll, we'll go fluid with that situation. OK, uh, Eric, Eric Musselman did say after the Missouri game that they had a few possessions where they just went went out there and they didn't really pass the ball and they just threw up a shot. And he did mention Steph Curry and Trey Young as two guys that can do that. But he said that they don't have anybody on the roster right now that can do that. And that includes J.D. Note. But I personally, I have to I have to say this. I don't think that it's an overreaction. Um, wait, no, I do think it's an overreaction. Sorry, that J.D. Note is doing too much on offense. I think that he is he is your best scorer. And no, there is not not any player in college basketball and definitely not any player on this roster can go out and score 18 points and shoot as many shots as J.D. Note does. That is just completely false. J.D. Note is a talented scorer. Anyways, overreaction or not, Trey Wade has asserted himself as a significant contributor in this lineup. Andrew Hutchinson. Yes, I think that that is – well, I guess it's not an overreaction because he looked really, really good this, this past game. I like what I've seen from him kind of in short stints as far as like bringing energy, bringing defense. Uh is he going to be a guy that gives you what he gave you against Missouri every night? 17 points. Uh, he had like th- three steals, a couple of block shots. I don't necessarily think that, uh, but I do think that he's going to be a contributor and a guy that if he doesn't stay in the starting lineup, he's going to be one of the first few guys off the bench and, and a guy they lean on. So I don't think that's a, an overreaction at all uh, that he is going to be a significant contributor to the rest of SEC play. Yeah, he has that hustle factor. He goes out and you see he's he's always going for that putback dunk off the missed uh, missed shots on the offensive side, and that's just a hustle play. You're, you don't always see those guys going up. I, I think he even went up for one last night, and he saw it wasn't there, so he went down with it and kind of reset. But he gets those offensive boards. He's able to go out, uh, play hard on defense. Um, I, I think giving that effort earns you minutes. And when you're also going and able to score and able to, to make a real impact on the defensive side of the ball, then it's going to make it tough to not have you be a solid contributor um, on the court for a team, especially like Mason said earlier, you know, we're cutting, we're seeing a cut rotation a little bit with the team. We're not seeing as many guys rotated in and out. Um, and if you're finding your niche, then you're going to, you're going to definitely get some of those, uh, some more of those minutes than, than you were seeing earlier on in the year. Yeah, and I think another thing that makes him so valuable is his ability to score. I mean, he was seven for 10 from the field against Missouri. And this is, I mean, you you want the guy with the unlimited motor, but you also want a guy who can score the ball, especially with this team. All right, last last one. This is the big one that everybody wants to hear. Arkansas will make the NCAA tournament. Andrew Hutchinson, is that an overreaction or not? Yes, that is an overreaction for sure. I mean, they did start 0-3 in SEC play. Uh, you mentioned how Arkansas moved up 15 spots in the net rankings to number 83. That means they were at number 98 before last night. That's that's nowhere near the bubble. 
they're going to have to win some more games. They're going to have to beat some teams they're not expected to beat because they've lost some games that they were expected to win, like Vanderbilt. So I think that that's an overreaction at this point. That's subject to change. If they go to Baton Rouge and, and come away with a win or you know are very competitive and they end up winning some other games. But as of right now, I think that's an overreaction. I just think this team has dug too big of a hole for itself. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be totally surprised if they make a run like they had the last couple of years and, and get right back into the bubble picture. Yeah, if this isn't the question everyone's looking for, then I don't know what is. Um, after last season, you come into this year and the expectations are just so high and we really haven't seen this team live up to them. They don't they don't necessarily have a super impressive win on the resume as is right now. And, and like you mentioned, it can change. We can always come back and we can be on here. We can be saying, oh, my God, Arkansas just beat Kentucky. This this team's going to make a run in the tournament. Um, but right now we just beyond Missouri, we really haven't seen that against any real level of competition. Um, and I think we're going to need to see some, some repeated examples of, of good things from this team to be able to, to confidently say that they're going to make the tournament. So right now, I think that probably is an overreaction based on last night. Well, th this was fun guys. Uh, Arkansas will have a chance at getting a quality win, um, a quad one win against LSU this Saturday at one o'clock. It'll be on ESPN too, but I, I just want to let, let everybody know if Arkansas does lose that game, Let's uh, let's look forward. They then play two straight home games against South Carolina, Texas A&M, and then they go and play at Ole Miss. So, yes, you're playing against a really tough LSU team that's going to be really hard to beat. I don't think they'll win that game. But moving forward after that, then you still have some of those teams, part of that easy part of the schedule that you can look forward to. And so Arkansas still has a chance to make that run like they have the past two years, kind of like Hutch said. But it's not, it's not going to be as easy because you don't have the playmakers like you had. You don't have an Isaiah Joe, a Mason Jones, a Justin Smith, a Moses Moody. So that's going to wrap it up for us, wrap it up for us here on the Hogbeat Hour. Um, thank you, Alex Trader and Andrew Hutchinson, for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next week here on the Hogbeat Hour.